So Acts chapter 3, we finished chapter 2 last week. So we're picking up in uh, chapter 3. And uh, what we studied last week was Peter's first sermon and uh, the response to uh, the calling of God for repentance uh, for the crowd that was there listening when they had witnessed uh, what had happened when the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the apostles. And uh, everybody's going, what is going on here? What, what, what's happening here? And they heard the message that Peter had to, to preach and that, that, that message of, that convicted them. And they were cut to the heart. And they asked the question, brethren, what should we do? You know, when we get to that point, when we come to that point, if we haven't, ask the Lord to bring you to that point of brokenness over your own sin. Because when we hit that point, that's when we're that's that's the pivotal moment for us in our lives. We should always look back on our sin and be broken over it. No, but know that it's gone. But but if we forget the fact that we were once sinners and totally broken and lost in our lives, and we just walk forward, we can we can somehow develop some sense of pride that we were better than the sinners that we're walking around and we're looking at and maybe, you know, looking down our nose at. So we can sometimes get to that point. I never am like, no, really, you were worse than that. You know, we, we can we can get into that mindset. Uh, I remember Will sharing with us that, that uh, you know, our sin always looks worse when somebody else is doing it. Uh, and that's so true, right? And then we look back like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, you can put me right under that name of somebody that was participating in that or was was uh, conducting my life in that manner. You know, so they were cut to the heart and they asked what they should do. And, and, and Peter told them, repent, be baptized. Start, in my own words, start a relationship with the Lord. Let God renew you and strengthen you. And they did. 3,000 people saved that day. 3,000 people, they were cut to the heart, and that cut to the heart led them to repentance. Uh, we will study further on when we get to Acts chapter 7, and we see there's a cut to the heart, and there's a violent response to that also. But this is the Holy Spirit working in their hearts and them being receptive to it. So as we pick up, this is uh, the, the scene shifts uh, now, and verse 1 of Acts chapter 3 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, so 3 p.m. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms uh, from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And fixing his eyes on him, John uh, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he it took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. It's quite a, quite a shift. You know, we were just uh, studying, and, 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 and two, uh, many coming to faith, 3,000 at one time. You come from a group of people, and the scene shifts to three people. And uh, it's a it's a great thing uh, to uh, to to think of as we're 
uh, studying through. So Peter and John are kind of Siamese twins. You know, where there's Peter, there's John. Remember when uh, when uh, they heard that the uh, that the Lord uh, was risen, and who were the ones that ran to the tomb? Right, John outran Peter, and then Peter John's not quite bold enough to get his, get in there. Peter moves him out of the way and goes right into the tomb. So John and Peter. And we see these two now, and uh, they are going to the temple at the hour of prayer, as I said, at uh, 3 p.m. So it's it's mid-afternoon, and, and they're going for prayer. And there's a, a man that's been lame there, it says, from his mother's womb. Now, to think of this young man, uh, I know uh, some friends of ours that uh, have a, a son that can't walk. He's uh, he's in a wheelchair and he's never walked. He's never uh, he's never ran. He's never got to kick a ball and uh, with the other kids in the neighborhood. Never been in the foot race. I was always a slow runner. I was never excited to do races because there was always somebody faster than me. But it was always fun to try, right? It was always fun to you know. In backyard, of course, football wasn't there then, but maybe they were kicking a rock down the road or whatever, playing soccer with that or whatever it is, right? Never had the opportunity to do that. And then at some point when he gets old enough, they would bring him to the temple so that he could beg. You know, that's a, you know it's just another day for this man being completely reliant upon the, the grace and uh, the generosity of everyone else around him. So he's completely reliant upon those. He, can't, he doesn't have a job. Uh, so his job is to go and sit and beg and, and ask. Now, this is different than what we might see uh, as we're driving and we come to a stoplight, many of, of the people that are there may have made uh, you know poor choices in life or may have had circumstances overcome them that they they end up being there holding a sign or whatever. And you know, may we not look at them in judgment, but pray for them. You know, if the Lord leads you, then give them a meal or whatever and and go on. But this man here, uh, lame from his mother's womb, he he had he'd never had the chance to walk, and he's completely. Uh, relying upon everybody. You know, it's another day of sitting in the same place, asking alms of people that were coming into the temple. You know, another day for him of dealing with the difficulties of life, completely relying on people upon people to even get him there, right? He didn't have the wheelchairs weren't, uh, weren't a thing then, I don't imagine. Uh, so he had to be uh, taken there and he had to be put there. It says, uh, you know, he was was carried and laid there daily, you know, so you got to rely upon other people even to get you there so that you can rely further on other people. You know that if you're going to get dejected in life, it's probably an easy way to do it, right? That you can't even provide for yourself at all. And you're totally relying upon people driving or driving, carrying you to church, right? And then to sit outside and then hope people are going to be generous enough so that you can provide for yourself. Now, we had no idea uh, that this was going to be his last day doing so. That's the cool thing is as we're reading, we know that this was the last time that this man had to sit there because he couldn't stand, he couldn't walk. He had no idea that it'd be the last time he'd look to other men and have to beg them. Beg them. That's asking alms is begging. You know, they'd have a, they could have a cup and shake it or, or just looking at somebody and say, hey, you know, alms for the poor or whatever, however he would do it, whatever his method was. This was the last time. So as Peter and John are walking in, he does uh, his thing and asks them for alms. And Peter's response is, look at us. 
And we know that based on Peter's response to the crowd gathering, this isn't a look at me situation. Peter wants this man's full attention so that he can speak Jesus Christ into his life. And he, this man looks expecting to receive something monetary. He's expecting one thing, but gets another thing that far exceeds what he knew uh, that he needed just to, to sustain his life, you know, to buy bread and, you know, whatever else he needed. He was, he was expecting one thing. It says there that he was, uh, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And he had absolutely no idea what was about to happen. You know, Peter had just preached to, and 3,000 people were, were saved. Now it's down to one man. You know, he had learned uh, from Jesus that there was no ministry too small. You know, Jesus would minister to the masses, and then he'd minister to one, or he'd minister to two. And he'd minister to a small group, ten lepers. You know, it wasn't this whole thing of, oh, you know, there's, there, there aren't enough people there over there. Where, where are the crowds? I'm going to go speak over there. The Lord knows each one of us that needs to hear the gospel. Sometimes that's going to happen in a mass a group of people. Sometimes it's going to be one person as we see here. Peter and John had learned from Jesus that there wasn't anybody who wasn't good enough. That wasn't one. I mean, think about it. The lepers couldn't even be touched. And Jesus walks over to him and puts his hand on, a hand upon him and, and makes him well. It wasn't just the, the big crowds. It's, and, and what we learn here by the end of the chapter is this man's over 40 years old. That's a long time. I'm 43. So I don't know how long it is, but that's a long time that, you know, looking back on my life for me to be completely relying upon somebody. That I've got no ability to do anything that I need to, to provide for myself. And, and maybe he got to a point, maybe he could have done a job of sewing or, or whatever it is, but he got to the point where he'd kind of given up and he just wanted to go and sit. And, and I, I, we don't know. We don't have that. What we do know, he was, he was lame from his mother's womb and he had to be carried. And for 40 years, over 40 years, he was completely relying upon other people. And then Peter and John coming and as the Spirit was leading them, understood that, hey, you ministered to the masses. I need you to minister to this one person. And Peter tells him that I don't have silver or gold to offer you. Silver and gold isn't what this man needed. It's not what his soul needed. It's not what our soul needs. Those money, yes. Uh, and I've shared this before. There's, it's, uh, it's a uh, Unfortunately, um, a lot of people will understand a little bit of what the Scripture has to say when it says, about about money and people will most likely uh, from what I've heard over the years they'll misquote what's said in the scripture where it says uh, money is the root of all kinds of evil unfortunately they'll say well money is the root of all evil no it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of, of evil money in and of itself is a necessity we need those things to provide for ourselves it's not that it's the love of money because that's when we're trying to fill everything. We're trying to fulfill a need in our soul by using monetary, you know, using uh, money for uh, for gain. So this man, just out of necessity, is asking for these things. But he needs so much more than that. God knew that. And Peter recognized what was happening here. And he gives him something that uh, was was needed for his soul. You know, when, when Jesus said, what good is it a man... Uh, to gain the whole world and lose his soul. You'd find that in Matthew 16 and Mark 8. You know, to gain everything. 
You know, what if what if they had a pocket full of gold, right? And they give it to this man. Okay, now he no longer needs to sit there, but he's still not made well. He still has to rely on people to get around. You know, yes, okay, hey, your physical provision's taken care of, and you might be able to find some people you can pay for that. Who's saying somebody wouldn't steal it? There was so much more needed in this man's life than silver and gold. It's the same for us. He needed something different. Peter said, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus Christ is all we have to offer to somebody, it's so much more than anything or anyone could ever offer. Jesus. I don't have those things. You know, I don't have, sorry, I don't have any cash in my pocket. But can I pray for you? Can I share the gospel with you? You know, oftentimes, I mean, to get to a point where we're asking somebody, I don't know about you guys, but I hate asking somebody for anything. You know, I, I'm just one of those, uh, just one of those people. I, it's, it's, it's a pride issue, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, I don't want to come up and ask for something. It drives me nuts to do that because I feel like I'm inconveniencing somebody. But, uh, you know, Peter, Peter knew what was going on. The spirit had, had ministered and, uh, and told Peter. And, uh, you know, if, if all we have to share is Jesus Christ with somebody, then we have everything to share with, with somebody. Look, I don't have all these things, but I can pray for you in your situation. I can pray that, that the Lord would minister to you. And I don't know if you know the Lord, but just know that he loves you. And if you don't have a relationship with him, he wants you to have that relationship. Last uh, Yesterday, I was uh, in Caribou uh, for a family memorial service. And it was very informal. Um, very informal, and uh, it was. Uh, I, I lost uh, an uncle, and uh, so we went up. Uh, I drove up there uh, yesterday, and and I was asked to share a few words, so I did. And I I, I realized the 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 crowd that I was uh, talking to uh, might not have ever heard the gospel. So in a few short minutes, I tried to pack in everything I could uh, to still, uh, you know honor the, the life of my uncle and explain that this life is but a vapor, you know, and if there's a question about eternal life, here's how you can come to eternal life and shared with them John 3, 16 and 17 and John 14, 6 and being able to share some of those scriptures and, and uh, be able just in that little, that little uh, time there, it, there are often times that we think whatever we're going to offer, well, it's not really much, but that could have, and I prayed as I was on my way up and I prayed after that the Lord would use me to sow seed or to water or whatever it is, uh, and, and that we know that the Scripture tells us that God's Word doesn't go out and come back to him void. So as it's going out, it's ministering. Whether people are going to accept it or reject it, that's between them and the Lord. The, the Spirit's going to do uh, his work with, with what was delivered. But we don't have to worry about that. Our job is to share Jesus. Our job is to sit down and convince somebody and drive it into them. And you got to no. sometimes it's just going to be, can I pray for you? Can I share a word of encouragement for you? Can I turn you to the scripture? I know you're dealing with this and, and I've heard that this is going on in your life. Let me, let me just share how God's ministered to me in this time. Whatever scripture God puts on your heart, boom, take it. We don't guys. I know that there have been times and I, 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 I trust that it's not just me, but there are times, and I'm sure in, in most of our lives, that as we've shared Christ with somebody, they it's the response from them is much greater than we would have ever thought it would have been. 
You know, we think, yeah, here I am, Babylon, da, 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 da. I can tell you there are times here where I feel like I've just babbled and I've been lost and I'm tripping over words and words are jumping around on the page and I'm trying to get them back in order as I'm trying to read them, all these things, okay? And I've, and this isn't a, hey, wow, you know, look at what I did. I can honestly, that's the Lord showing me, I don't need you, but I'm using you. There goes our, there goes our Facebook sound. See, he doesn't need me. Right, yeah, right, right. These guys, yeah, Greg and, and Jen are here from New York. They're here with us. So if you've been praying for Greg and Jen Johnson, they're right there. So, uh, but yeah, he's the one that tells me when that goes down, it makes a really loud noise. Uh, we were in church in Washington State, and Jen was, uh, uh, she was in the nursery or something, uh, nursing mother's room, whatever it was, and our pastor went smack, clapped in the, in the thing, and uh, I don't know why it was happening, and Jen's like, it scared her, and then it happened a second time, and then she's just like, "Stop that!" You know, wherever she was, it was just so loud, you know. And then, of course, he didn't realize what was happening and how that was affecting other things. But, anyways, we may not know what we're offering to somebody is going to be that powerful. Peter and John, Peter and John knew that God was up to something, and Peter just said, "I have Jesus Christ to share with you." And then he reaches his right down, hand down and lifts up this man. And it says, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He starts doing the things he'd always wanted but couldn't. You know, he's standing up. This man had never experienced standing by himself. He'd never, whoa, you know, he'd, he'd never done all those things. You know, made me think, imagine the sad nights probably next to a, a lantern in the house where he's pouring his heart out to his mom. Like, I am so tired. I want to run. I want to do all those things. 40 years, this guy had never been able to stand. And then God ministers to him. You know, he might have dealt with people judging him because of his disability. Right? Yeah, we've seen that. Remember remember when uh, there was the question, Lord, who sinned, this man or his, or his, or his parents, that he would be uh, born with a disability? No. Oh. For the glory of God. I love that answer. It wasn't him. It wasn't his parents. But this happened for the glory of God. Because especially back in those days, people would say, oh, well, if you're born crippled, it's because you sinned or your parents sinned or just even even that, you know, like they need that discouragement anymore that, you know, as they're already facing uh, a lot of different trials uh, for themselves. This was all for the glory of God. You know, by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, this man was instantly able to stand, walk, and leap. Now, if you've ever had a surgery, we see Tom here. You know, Tom went in for a hip replacement, and there was a complication, and he's had to walk with a walker for months now. Right? You know, when they crack your femur, it's going to take a little bit longer to heal. You know, and then you've got physical therapy and occupational therapy. I don't. I remember when I had my my first surgery was my shoulder, and I was amazed at how fast I lost all the muscle in my arm. It was gross <laughs> because there's there's something called atrophy that happens, right? It doesn't take long if those muscles aren't used that they they just shrink right up. And I was just looking at that, and I talked to my doctor. He's like, "That'll all come back really fast." But I mean, I'm like grabbing my arm and going, what happened? Right? I was I was still in the military. I'm fairly good shape. I was still working out regularly. And I'm like, you know, I got, you know, this arm looking good. And this one, I, I don't know. 
You know, they, but I had to go, and I had to, I had to work that back. I had to strengthen it to get my strength back to be able to move that the way I should. It took me a year before I was you know, moving my arm around and uh, doing those things. It took so much time. It's because I had a, a surgery. They had to cut open my arm and cut out. I don't want to get gross. We had a kid pass out when I was in gym class because we talked about blood. Uh, not gym class, in uh, health class because blood was mentioned. So I won't get into that here, okay? We don't, we don't need any of that. But they had to go in and do surgery, and I had to recover. My body had to heal. And, and uh, you know, those those muscles, all that stuff was so weak, and it took so long. I'm doing push-ups on my knees in the gym, you know, <laughs> especially militarily. I mean, when I got when I went to basic training, I had I had been in wrestling all my life, and uh, we'd, uh, we'd do sets of 75 or 100, two sets of them in, in one practice, you know. So I'm just ripping out push-ups like they're nothing. Then I was brought to the point where I'm doing knee push-ups, right, in front of other people. Really embarrassing, Right. I had to go through those things to to train that muscle back and get it back to doing what it should. This man healed by God was instantly walking and leaping and praising God, walking, leaping and praising God. He has balance. He could just stand. You guys know, right? You watch a baby, right? They stand. It takes a few weeks and then, you know, they get to the point where they're standing and then they might. You, everybody's waiting for that first step. Right. They take the first step. And what do they do? They get scared and drop. Right. And then I've heard other kids, they're just gone, you know, and they just they, they get it. But that learning how to do those things, God just instantly did those things in this man's life. And he's going, wait a minute, I can stand. I can walk. I'm going to try to jump. I remember watching kids jump and I've seen people jump and he's just walking, leaping. And he's doing the most important thing and praising God. The most important thing was acknowledging God for what he just did. Remember the 10 lepers? Jesus healed them. And then uh, they, they all get sent to the priest. One returned. And Jesus is like, hey, didn't I, heal, didn't I heal 10 of them? And only one returned to say thanks. Be sure, brothers and sisters, that we remember. and Because I have to do that. I have to remind myself. It often happens at night when I lay my head down on my pillow and go, God, I'm sorry. I didn't thank you. I prayed to you all day for help for this, this, and this. And I didn't even stop to think. That's my personality. Very much that Martha-type personality of go, 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 go. And I have to force myself to sit and, and, to, and to calm my mind down. And, uh, you know, those, those times that I can just forget what's, uh, what the Lord has done in that day. Or I'll even go a couple days and go, I didn't even think. God knows that I'm grateful for it. But I need to show that that, that um thankfulness and, and uh, that gratefulness and just thanking him for what he's done. This man walking, leaping, and praising God. He's praising God for what he did. Look at the response. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat uh, begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Uh, now, it now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them uh, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So all the people saw him walking and praising God. They were witnesses of his healing, and it says that they were filled with wonder and amazement. And I, I don't think that's a hard thing for any of us to understand. 
like, wait a minute, did, did we just see something miraculous happen? And uh, they all knew the old guy. They were familiar with him, and they came to know him in that very place every single day. They knew the guy. He's a familiar guy, right? You ever have that 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 person in town? We used to have some, you know, certain people in town that would walk around collecting bottles and cans, or you just see them walking all the time. I won't say any names, but there were several of them in Bucksport as I was growing up as a kid that everybody knew who these people were. Some of them were off their rockers. Some of them were super nice. Some of them were just kind of going about their business, but they were always walking somewhere. They were, it was, they were always in the place that you thought they would be. That was this guy. Every day. And they're all amazed, it says, and, and they're, they're, uh, they're coming together in the porch. You know, they're, they're going, this is amazing. Come and see. And everybody's coming to look. In verse 11, it says, now... <clears throat> Uh, the uh, it says that he uh, if you look it says uh, that he held on to Peter if you have a an ESV it says he clung to Peter and John no doubt and gratitude but like you guys aren't going anywhere right he's walking leaping and this guy's got arms on uh, uh, on both shoulders and he's like these are my new best friends and he's it says he's clung to them. He's, he's holding on to them, right? He's not holding on to them because he needs the balance. We know that. This is a, I love these guys, <laughs> right? Because uh, Peter just looks at him and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. It grabs him and, and, and pulls him up. Now, for Peter to say that's quite bold. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. That's a bold statement. That's like a, a do or die type thing. Like, this is either going to work or not. There was no question in Peter's mind. He knew what the Lord had had uh, blessed him with, that he had the Holy Spirit. He was obedient to the Spirit, and he was ready and willing to do that and say that bold thing. And as he did, he's able to, to pull that guy up. And, you know, when we see here, physically, this guy was made a new man. Physically, instantly, by the Lord. Will that happen to all of us? Probably not unless God wants to do it, not that God couldn't. But usually when we know, I was, I was talking with Cheryl Hughes, she's been dealing with a, a, an issue uh, with her circulation in her leg, and she's got a surgery coming up, and there will be a time and uh, for her to go through and, and to, to get healed up and those things. Could God do it? Absolutely. And if there's someone who believes that, it's Cheryl. No doubt the faith of that woman's awesome. Don't mean to embarrass her or steal a blessing uh, from her. But, but she's upstairs working with the kids right now. But God's going to heal her through that, that, that we have that available. This man seems different. You know, the Lord can do the same in us spiritually. You know, as we look at this, this is a physical healing, but he does the same, all the same for us spiritually in our lives. That, you know, we, we can uh, be looked at and everybody's going, is that the same person we saw for 40 years? In that same place doing the same thing. You know, didn't we see him down and out hopeless at one point? Or just just at a spot where a need for God was evident. You know, weren't there, wouldn't it be times where people will look at the life that's been changed by Christ and go, I know the old person, but that person isn't anything like the old person I used to know. I don't, that's, that. it's crazy. And then, and what does it do? It's going to draw attention, right? 
what is different? What's going on? You're not the same person. What's going on? I actually got to see this um, uh, through a post on social media to a brother of ours' page, and he had he had had just put something bold about the Lord, just proclaiming praise to God. And somebody's like, what's going on with you? It was, it was literally, I got to read the question. And he's like, and he just basically describes to them saying, I met Jesus and my life has now changed because they knew the old guy. And they're like, this doesn't look like anything the old guy that I know would write. And he was able, and I was so, so blessed by that. Guys, it was, it was amazing. You know, we we may have been that person or we may have known that person that once they meet Jesus, they're no longer in that old spot. Now they're walking and praising God as they're moving forward in a relationship with him. You know, the story might be something as radical as, I don't know, I was here and some guy walked up and told me about Jesus and I knew he was right. So I just followed him. It might be 10 years later. <laughs> Right. I should have listened back then. Right. How many times do we get to that point? Right. Like, oh, yeah, I dragged myself through the mud and the muck and the mire and I made it so much harder. All I had to do was listen. But the same thing can happen that believers are going to say, this is amazing. You know, come and see. Or even non-believers are going to say, I know that guy. Did you? They're, they're, they're going to talk amongst themselves. You know, the fellow guy that they used to party with used to do drugs with or drink with or sexual immorality, whatever it is. No, that person's like totally changed now. Totally changed. Yeah, something about them meeting Jesus or something, right? To Jesus is, uh, you know, that, that God would be glorified. It would bring attention to the Savior, you know, the source of the salvation that had taken place. Verse 12 so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Now here's a proper approach to ministry, to identify when God is opening a door to minister, uh, to move into action. Don't overthink it. Just do it. As God opens the door, go, hey, I think he's telling me that. Yes, he is. You know, it just there. you guys have, have had any believers in here. You've, I know you've had those opportunities because I know God works in and through your lives. When we have those doors open for us. We don't have to stop and be like, hey, I need 15 minutes to go pray. I need to actually go buy a Bible because I don't have mine in my pocket. You know, all those things. No, just share. Just share. Give a testimony of, hey, you know, I, I noticed you know, this is going on. I don't know what he's going to call it. I don't know if he's going to call you to pay for someone's grocery and, and the, the line that forgot their wallet. Or I don't know if he's going to have you stop and help somebody on the side of the road. Whatever it is, just be ready when that opportunity comes to move forward. If you, if you know, oh, hey, you know, I, if this person's broken down, I can identify they have a, uh, you know, uh, a flat tire. And my dad taught me at 12 how to change a tire. I've done it 57 times on my own vehicles. Hopefully somebody stops and helps them. <laughs> Keep driving, right? No, we identify the, the situation as the Lord lays it on our hearts. We stop. We take care of whatever the situation is. Peter recognizes it. Steps right into saying, uh, the, the continuing in 12, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us? As though our own power or godliness had made this man walk. Peter realizes that everybody's looking at him. Everybody's looking at John as though they had done these things. 
He is, I love here, without hesitation, careful to give God the glory and take none of it. You know, God, uh, God uh, receives the glory and God is the only one to receive the glory at all times. Peter just immediately says, why do you marvel? Why are you looking at us like we did something special? Like I can look at somebody and speak for them to be healed. You know, we don't have the power to do this. You know, and he's saying, you know, I don't have that. Don't look at us and, and uh, marvel and wonder. He immediately draws the attention to God. <clears throat> and notice what's to come isn't the softest of messages. Everybody's listening. Everybody's drawing in. And Peter punches them right in the mouth with the gospel. Don't do that. Don't walk up and hit somebody physically. But sometimes there's the <laughs> Shane's, Shane's doing one of these. He's, he's kidding. But there's the. There's the, there's the time where sometimes the harsh truth needs to come out. And that's what these guys needed because as the Spirit is leading him, Peter's speaking. Sometimes we just need to be a, a willing vessel to share what God is putting on our hearts. And what he says to them is this, verse 13, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given this, uh, given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as also your rulers, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So Peter. Uh, as he has everybody's attention, goes straight to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of their fathers. And they would immediately understand that this meant we're in for a deep spiritual conversation here. So he has their attention, and what did he do? He points directly to Jesus, whom they had rejected and delivered to Pontius Pilate. It says that he was determined to let him go. And Peter points out that they had denied the Holy One and the just, and traded him for a murderer. That's a tough one. <laughs> you denied the Holy One and the just, and they would have rather had Barabbas. You know, they wanted the guy that was a murderous, uh, thief, insurrectionist. They wanted him over the Holy One and the just. You know, if, if, we, if we look at that from a spiritual sense, do we want sin <laughs> and to be amongst sinners? Or do we want to submit our lives to Christ, right? We can, we can learn from that uh, what they were doing there. You know, they, uh, they, uh, the rebellious hearts didn't want Jesus there. They didn't want the con conviction and the opposition to their own will. And Peter's just pointing these things out to them. He even says that they crucified, that they killed the prince of life. I don't know about you guys, but when you hear something like that, if I were to hear that, like, hey, you killed the Prince of Life. We understand that he, he preached a, a, a very similar thing to the, the crowd in, in Acts chapter 2. What did that do? Pierce their hearts. Cut them right to the heart. 
right? When they hear what they needed to hear. You, pr you killed the prince of life, his earthly body. That's a, if it's, nothing's going to get your attention, if that won't get your attention, nothing will. Like, hey, you're guilty of this. Whew. Okay. It's probably not what I, they were probably just like, hey, so what's, like, what's next? Are you going to keep performing miracles or whatever? And what does Peter have for them? A, a convicting uh, message. And Jesus, uh, Peter says, whom God raised from the dead, we are witnesses of the resurrection. That they walked, that they spent time with Jesus Christ after his resurrection. And he says, it is in the name of the one that you delivered up, denied and killed, that this man has been made strong and healed. It says that he was given perfect soundness, perfect soundness from Jesus from an encounter with just the name and power of Jesus Christ. This man didn't get to meet Jesus in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit was very much at work through Peter and, and John. And at this point, when he hears the name of Jesus, and when the command is given for him to, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk, he experiences Jesus Christ. We may not ever see Jesus here while we're on this earth. But we know that the you guys know that song we sing. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Um, it's it's a uh, just there aren't a lot of words in that song. But if you just meditate on it, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. All sufficient sacrifice, so freely given, such a price for our redemption. Heaven's gates spring wide. There's power in the name of Jesus. He's got everybody's attention, and he tells them how guilty they are. He tells him that it's by the name of Christ that this man has been is in front of them in perfect soundness in front of all of them. And he says in verse 18, uh, verse 17, I know that you did this in ignorance, as did your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. All this happened. And God is, is still is still completed uh, his will uh, in this situation. He's like, I know you did it in ignorance. Remember Jesus Christ's own prayer to the Father on the cross, right? What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Peter, who has the Holy Spirit, is hearing the, from the Holy Spirit and is speaking this to them. I know you did this in ignorance. And your rulers, did. they didn't really know what they were doing. So then Peter doesn't just leave him there. Look at verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You too can be changed by Jesus Christ. He's telling them to repent, turn, and be converted. That sins would be blotted out. They would be totally removed. You can experience the blessings from the Lord. You know, I know right now you're cut to the heart. You're so like down on yourself and, and, and feeling hopeless. But there's a, there's a an antidote to that. All you got to do is turn from who you are and turn to Christ, and all this stuff's going to be taken care of. And that's what he says to him. That's what he has to share with them. And <clears throat> verse twenty, he continues, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached before you, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration 
of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now, these guys were familiar with who the prophets were. There was In Israel, as they're growing up, they were required to know the first five books of the scripture. And they would have been in synagogue. They would have been learning. They, so this wasn't all like these were unchurched people. They're all in Jerusalem. They were familiar with it, but what they're realizing is they missed everything. They had missed the whole point. And, and Peter is telling them that. He says that God had been speaking about this at the end of 21, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. And then he, he references Moses, verse 22, For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. So Peter's in full preach mode and leadership mode and he's, he's ready to point people to Jesus. He's no longer hiding. He's speaking boldly. and Because these are hard things to say. And Peter is just, just, just blasting them out. He knows that he had been restored by the Lord and he had been commissioned by the Lord. And he mentions here that Christ, uh, that the Christ wasn't a foreign concept. They had heard from the prophets that there was one to come. And he even goes back to Moses and says, hey, remember Moses spoke of this prophet, capital P? And Moses said in verse 23, and it shall be that every soul who will not hear, who will not hear. That, that's speaking of rejection. Will not. They, will, the, they don't have uh, the, the, they're not willing to submit their will to what is being said. So they will not. They'll reject it will be utterly destroyed from among the people. So all the prophets had foretold of, of these days here. And they were right in the middle of major Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Major Bible prophecy being fulfilled. You know, Israel wasn't, uh, even though that was going on, they still weren't willing to accept Jesus, even though he's fulfilling all these, uh, these scriptures. As the scripture foretold, they would reject him. They did. Now, if you think of today, Bible prophecy is being fulfilled in our midst like crazy. Right? It is. You know, many will scoff or just don't care. Sadly, much of the church is in a state of spiritual indifference. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not really going to change how I'm living. Not going to do anything differently. I'm just going to go about my business. and I'm going to do, do what I need to do. Not just like totally closing their eyes to the fact of, of hey, wait, this is going on. This is going on. Now, as that day approaches, we should be doubling down. Things We should be diving further and further into our relationship with the Lord. Unfortunately, much of the church is too busy with entertainment, too busy with focusing on me, myself, I, and not not even looking at what's going on, not even recognizing what's going on. We're 2,000 years closer, and you remember, as these as these apostles are writing epistles and everything, they're like, it's right at hand. It's about to happen. 
they had the expectation that Christ was coming back at any moment. We're 2,000 years beyond that. Think we might have to be, a, shouldn't we be more <laughs> of that same mind where we're just expecting that at any moment? You know, we, it, it's, it's, you know, we we're talking about absent from flesh this morning. We're in uh, just me, Corey and Shane and, and, uh, and he's like, man, I love this song. <laughs> he goes, cause I just can't wait. Can't wait to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord to be there some days right some days we're just like i, I just want it to be right and god come take us come get us verse 25 you are sons of the prophets and the covenant which god made with our fathers saying to abraham and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed to you first god having raised up his servant jesus sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. So he, he calls them sons of the prophets. You know, as Jews, they're they're part of the, the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant that had come uh, from so uh, that that uh, that promise was that all the families of the earth shall be blessed from them. The Jews are special people. God has a special plan, had and has a special plan for the Jewish people. Still does. But that salvation would come through Jesus of Nazareth. That's that's a, a powerful thing. I know we talked about this on uh, the uh, the Abrahamic covenant. We've been as we've been studying through Genesis, we've spent significant time in what that meant. So I'm not going to dwell on it too much. But they knew what that meant. That the fathers, when we are, are called sons of the prophets, you know, those prophets were murdered for what they said. They were persecuted for what they did. Everything that they, and, and and even they uh, they experienced those things and and Israel at that time uh, was rejecting the Lord and as they were rejecting the they weren't necessarily just re rejecting the prophets they were rejecting God you know the prophet and and God told them that they're really rejecting me you know because we can get to a point like am I just doing everything wrong or whatever no it's God they were rejecting. We're going to get as far as we can in four here. Acts four. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them and were greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached and then in, uh, in uh, preached in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. Now, uh, looking at that word in verse two, greatly disturbed. If you have an ESV, it says greatly annoyed. <laughs> they were bugged. They were disturbed. They thought they had stamped all this out and that Jesus was gone for good. Uh, you know, they uh, they couldn't be more wrong, unfortunately, for them. You know, when it's talking about the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Angels, the supernatural. So that group there is like, oh, great. Here we go again. Greatly disturbed. Like they're, these guys are going to stir everything back up. And so as they're ministering now, Understand this, that as Christians, as we are going out and, and we've asked, you know, I don't know if, how you guys you know, pray in the morning or whatever, but the Lord would send us out and use us. And as he's using us, expect opposition. Don't be totally shocked when as we're driving the message, it was like Peter's right in the middle of driving this message home. He's got everybody's attention. And as he's driving this home to them, here comes the, you know, the, the guys, right? The usual suspects are coming up. 
and uh, they, they've got something to say to disrupt what's happening here. Look at verse 3. And they laid their hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So they grab them and they had them put into custody. And uh, what we'll see is that this happens uh, often throughout the book of Acts, that they're uh, being uh, just being resisted. But what I, I love here is look at the first word in verse 4, however. <laughs> right? He's right in the middle of preaching this, and everybody's listening. Everybody's drawn in by this miracle that has happened. And Peter's driving this awesome message home, this spirit-filled message that's ministering to these people. And as they're doing it, he gets interrupted by opposition. Expect the interruption from our, our enemy. He is going to try to disrupt. He doesn't want the name of Christ being preached. And it might be in the form of somebody, something happening or whatever. Grab them and say, I need you to just focus. God is ministering you right now. I just want you to know that this distraction's happening. I need to carry on. We need to have this talk. And we have that, there's a fire drill, get out of the building, right? You know, if there's a fire alarm or whatever, I should say, get out of the building, but say, we need to continue this conversation. But whatever it was, you know, these guys come and they're greatly disturbed and they, they arrest Peter and John and they take them away. They put them in custody. However, verse four, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. So despite the opposition, those who heard believed and the church had grown from 3,000 to 5,000. God was at work and they can't stop him. They can come up, they can get as annoyed as they want. They can have all these things that they want to come in and just disrupt everything here. But the word however is there. There's a contrast word, right? But however, although, whatever word's going to be there, therefore, whatever it is, however. These guys came in to disrupt everything. We're getting these guys, we're ripping them out. Because here they are, they're preaching Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. We need to shut this thing down. They take them into custody, but however, God had already done the work in these people's hearts, and the church swelled. You know, God isn't limited by the opposition of, of man. He isn't limited by uh, demonic opposition. You know, as we're as just just know, expect it. Don't 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 always feel like, oh, you know what, well, this happened. Well, maybe God didn't want me to, no, God always wants us to share the good news. He always does. There isn't going to be a time where God's like, no, don't speak about, about me. Don't speak about Jesus. Don't speak the name. They were commissioned with the great commission. And Peter had filled with the Holy Spirit as being used to preach that awesome sermon in Acts chapter 2, to heal this man. And then to preach this gospel, God was doing something amazing. Man can't shut it down. These guys later on say that themselves. If this is of God and we're trying to oppose it, we're not going to win. They even they understood that. If it's of God, who are we to resist it? They still do. It's just who they are. But let us be about sharing Jesus Christ. Jesus, it's the, the power of Christ is what this whole, when we, we're, we're going to stop there for today, but chapters three and four, what they're all focused on. So we'll pick up next time uh, we're together. We'll pick up on, okay, so what happens here? 
Peter and John have been put into custody. And many come to salvation right there. However, I love that word, however. That's great. Isn't that awesome, guys? In our lives, this is who they were. However, how, I'm a hot mess up here swinging my, I'm French, I'm sorry. Right? But that word, however, if we, if we look at our lives and we were writing uh, you know, some sort of life memoir looking back, and we could say, this is who I was. This is how I grew up, and this is what was happening. However, I met Jesus Christ. And then the whole rest of whatever is being written, whatever is being displayed by how we live, is indicative of us having a relationship with Christ, being changed by Christ, just like this man was. It was that obvious physically that that man had been changed. Let it be that obvious spiritually in how we conduct ourselves as we walk through our days. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll pray? I hate to stop right there, but I don't want to fast forward through Acts 4. So we'll, I encourage you, please go home, read this, study it, uh, be prepared for next week. If not, then you'll have to learn on the fly next week as we're doing this. But let's, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you do amazing works in our lives and that you saved each and every one of us that has called on your name and asked you to be our Savior. If there are any here that haven't, I pray that they would. Lord, that you are not done with us at that point. Then you have a mission for us. Once we've met our Master, we have a mission. Whatever that is, pray, pray Lord, that you would reveal that to us and that we would be obedient to share. And at the sign of opposition, we wouldn't stop. That we would trust that the word however is going to be inserted there. And that what we've done and, and how you've used us so far uh, will be used. And, and uh, if you choose to help us to uh, continue that work or somebody else, whatever it is, Lord, we know you're faithful to do it. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. We pray, God, that you would be with us the rest of this day and, and uh, bless us and use us. In Jesus' name. Amen.